Hey now, and uh, good day. Uh, welcome to Growing Your Successful Business. Uh, po- yeah, business. I keep messing that up. Growing Your Successful Business podcast. The podcast all about small business and uh, medium-sized business. And uh, today, before I get to our guest, Mark Anderson, we've got some big news. Um, we are now on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and Breaker and many more different uh, podcast listening platforms. Uh, we're changing up a couple things to accommodate that. Um, we will continue doing the Facebook Live uh, uh, things on Monday that we do now. And we're going to change the drop date of the uh, edited. And uh, we don't really edit anything out. We just kind of clean up the audio a little bit. But we'll begin dropping those on Monday at all of those uh, different listening platforms, uh, starting with this, uh, actually the one last week, which will drop today on the uh, edited version, or did drop today, I should say. And um, so we're changing that from Thursdays to Mondays. And so now you can look forward to hearing us every Monday on whatever podcast listening platform you like. Uh, you can go to growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com or brianlharding.com to find the links to YouTube and to the um, audio listening platform that you prefer. And uh, don't, uh, don't be shy about subscribing and sharing and rating and all that good stuff, that all that podcast lingo stuff that uh, we all hear nowadays. Um, it is important to do that stuff to help keep this uh, podcast free so we can pass this information along to ma- as many folks as possible. Um, yeah, so uh, again, go to uh, growingsuccessfulbusiness.com or brightnellharding.com. Click on whichever one of those uh, platforms you prefer, and uh, then go ahead and subscribe from there. Share it, rate it, all that good stuff. So today, we're super fortunate. We have Mr. Mark Anderson with us. Mark is with the Profit Growth Initiative. Uh, Welcome, Mark. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, Tell us in 30 seconds or less, what is the Profit Growth Initiative? The Profit Growth Initiative is exactly what it sounds like. It is for businesses to improve the bottom line and not necessarily worry about the top. And primarily, our audience is service contractors in both the trades and the building services. So very similar, as you know, to what you do, you know, plumbing companies, electrical. Right. Right. Pest control, and then we do the building service companies all the way from janitorial all the way through full services like we used to have full facility service companies. So we are really niched down right into that market. And we work with you. We do an analysis of your business and help you put your money and your efforts where it's going to make you the most profit. So we try to direct your initiative and uh, improve the bottom line. There you go. And as a as a customer of the Profit Growth Initiative, I can attest to your uh, your success in that. So uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, you you did a lot to help us out. I certainly appreciate that. Um, you've been doing this since 2015, but prior to that, you owned a business for uh, well, you owned a business until you sold it, but you were with the company for 40 years. Uh, you started a, a, a coast building maintenance in uh, April 1974. By the way, I wasn't born yet in April 1974. Ouch. Uh, well, when I you was, say I had I was, 40 years, it hurts. I was I was one month uh, away from being born, so that's the vast knowledge that Mark brings with him. He's got he's got plenty of experience, and uh, uh, anyhow, you started that business in 1974 with a five thousand dollar family loan. Yep, and uh, you kept everything in your car while you were going to school. You started this thing up, and you ran that. You owned it for four, um, 38 years, roughly. You sold it to a large company. Uh, and then you stayed on, and we'll, we'll get into that stuff a little bit later. Right. You also um, started up CBM Associates and Critical Environmental Management Associates, um, a couple other ancillary companies, all related to... CBM the, Systems, the, the, yeah. Yeah, C- the, big the big one, one CBM Systems. The holding company, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, for you, those of you listening, you can reach Mark at 253-251-2969 or www.tpginow.com. Again, tpginow.com. And uh, uh, if you want to find out more about how the Profit Growth Initiative can help you, that's where you'd go find them. So um, let's get right into it. So uh, before you started what you're doing now, as we mentioned, you own this uh, this big company that did you know $10 million a year in revenue. Uh, you were, uh, as you mentioned, a service company in over 40 years. You had 300 full-time employees. You sold that company to the seventh largest facilities company in the U.S., um, and the interesting statistic here, only 5% of first-generation companies in that industry survived that long. So congratulations mm, on thank that. Thank you. You obviously did something right. And uh, so we're going to jump into a few things here. Um, the first of which is uh, that company survived six recessions mm-hmm. all while you were the owner. Right? Every one. Every one of them. Um, and you had, a few, you had a few big ones. In 73 to 75, there was a nice recession that lasted about 16 months. There's another one in the early 80s. Uh, of course, the Great Recession, 07 to 09, uh, technically is when those those that w- recession existed. Um, and the reason I bring that up now is, by all accounts, you know we're on the brink of our next recession. We're past due. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's several indicators that are are out there that that say that we're 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 getting ready to hit it. And you know, it might be in three months, six months, might be in six years. Yeah, it could be could be a couple years. Who knows? We're we're way past what we what, five or six years past what the normal recession right. cycle is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the obvious question for people listening is, uh, having been through six of them, how do you survive one? What, what, do, you, what, do, you do, to, uh, when you're, what do you do to prepare? What do you do when it's going on? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you remember the Wizard of Oz. You go downstairs, you pull the cellar door shut, and you honker down. Yeah. <laughs> and you wait for the tornado to pass. Yeah. The, thing I, the reason we succeeded, we were always – watching trends. I mean, trends were a big thing for me. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to happen because, let's face it, nobody knows when it's going to end or when it's going to start again. But a good piece of advice I got back in 74 from somebody who ran a very large company, he said, always always act like next year is your recession. And if you run your people, you manage your finances, and you look towards it, it'll never hit you by surprise. And he said, also, recessions are mental. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the guy that had the hot dog stand. Well, there's a recession coming. He honkers down and folds his up. The guy next to him says, well, we'll wait and see. Well, guess which one survived? Right. The guy that said, we'll wait and see. So it isn't always do things as cheaply as possible, but manage things tightly. You know, right. get your good people, keep your good people, and manage your finances. And we'll talk about the finances later. Right. But you have to watch more than what's going on locally. you got to have a national, and I would even say a global thinking and we've always kind of had that that's always been an interest sure. economics and those sort of things so yeah qu- i mean quietly right now nationally trucking is suffering pretty heavily mm-hmm. uh I, I read an article in the wall street journal a few weeks ago that uh trucking prices are down year over year six consecutive months and they're down like 30 percent or something like yep. that it's, it's pretty significant uh short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates that's always a key indicator um you know, uh, uh, there's just a, there's a number of things that are going on. I wonder how much of this we actually talk ourselves into these recessions by all <laughs> these things that these indicators are this and that, and then we we talk about it until it happens, and we all can say, yeah, we're right. Of course, we saw that coming. Yep. Um, I wonder if it, if there isn't kind of a, a psych <laughs> psychological impact on talking ourselves into these things versus an actual just you know. Well, yeah, you know, they come every site, and things are cyclical. Yeah. But we've course. broken that cycle. Something you said, you probably didn't even realize it. And a piece of advice I got back in college 
read the Wall Street Journal. They go, well, my business isn't big enough. Well, about 19, I started reading that. I read it every day. Now, I don't read the whole thing, and I take right. it digitally so I can pick and choose. Yeah, yeah. But if you have a business, and particularly a service business, and you want to grow it, you need to know what's going on and what other people are doing well. And you right. learn how to read that and read it correctly. It's one of the best things you can do for your company. Right. And there's so many business programs out now. Yeah. But, you know, back then it was Wall Street Week and Louis right. Rukeyser. You got it once a day on Channel 9. So. Sure. But pay so, attention. So for, for folks listening who are, you know, doing reasonably well, I'm assuming most folks have been doing pretty well over the last, uh, you know, seven years or yep. whatever. Um, it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a hard thing to fight human nature, which is I'm making more money now. I want to live my life. I don't want to live like a pauper when I'm, I'm finally, you know, starting to see some results from my business. Um, how do you figure out, you know, what percentage of your, of your money to, to your profits? If, you know, you're, you're always reinvesting. That's just a given. You're always doing that. Right. But how do you determine how much should be put away in that rainy day fund? Well, I'm going to uh, quote a book you told me to look into, and that's profits first and pay yourself first. If you right. can put 10% of your revenue away and operate off the other 90%, you are going to have an operating fund if things get tight. And if they right. don't, celebrate and reinvest it or do something well with it. But that's a really good read, yeah. and it's a simple read. But even though he's taken a nice way of saying it, that isn't all new news. Right. If you can store anything away, and uh, he, he talks about it in the book, and I forget the author's name, Michael something. Michael right? uh, Michelson or something like that. It's, right. Yeah, yeah. Great book, easy read. But even if you only take a point, 1%, but pay yourself first. Pay your company first. And when I say pay yourself, I don't mean your own personal bank account. Pay your company first. Right. Make sure you have a um, savings or a backup. And right. as you've looked in my resume, I made that mistake. A yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get into uh, example or exhibit yeah. A of why you should do that when we get to, to exactly. some of the things that you've not done so well in your illustrious career. Which, you know, by the way, we all have. Of course, it's not it's not like you specifically have have uh, had these problems that nobody else. <laughs> I think everybody that's had a successful business has done that. So you said, you know, that, that during the recession, you just kind of hunker down and, and wait for the wind to pass. Are there anything, is there anything specifically you could point out and say, hey, make, you know, during the, during the time, make sure you're doing this. Obviously, you're going to say something like, um, mm -hmm. you know, watch your expenses and things like that. Well, follow the trends. See, see where it's going. You know, look at, you were talking about the trucking trends, certainly. You know, where is unemployment going? Where is inflation going? How hard is it to get and keep people? Uh, being in the service industry, I always look at productivity. Right. So can I improve the productivity of my people? Right. So that's always very key in a service business. And again, managing expenses. Right. And I think the other thing about surviving a recession, a lot of people back off on their selling. When you're going into that, increase your selling. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We just had this conversation uh, at, at my company here a few weeks ago. Uh, that as we are kind of at the point now where we can see it coming again, it could be in three months or three years or who knows. Don't worry about it, like you uh, yeah. said. Yeah, I mean, it's not something we're not we're not changing our process and things like that. But now is the time to begin really going out and making those relationships that are going to pay off then in mm -hmm. three months or six months or nine months or twelve months or whenever it is. Um, which is contrary to what most folks would think. They most folks wait until we're in the thick of it, and then like everybody else, the herd goes into sales mode. And you're just one of you know 63 companies in your industry that are doing that. If you can get out in front of that a little bit, Definitely. that would certainly be helpful. It's the old rule: keep your sales funnel full, whether you're in recession or you're in growth. Right. Always have that funnel full because you never know. And customers go on a journey. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones that buy right away are the two percent that are usually looking for a deal. Right. 
But if you've got that funnel full, like you said, it's a journey. So always keep that full, but in, and you've got to fill it before you get to the recession. So if you always practice, I'm always calling on customers. I've got so much of my time every week devoted to business growth, development, whether it's networking, marketing, digital marketing. Be doing something right. to be introducing yourself to people and starting that journey because it takes a while for them to say, yeah, I'll give you my money. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. And you know the other, the other uh, uh, we'll get off the recession topic here in a second, but um, again, I don't want to talk it into existence. That, <laughs> um, but but the other silver lining with recessions, you mentioned it is is you can pick up great employees. Yes. Right now, with unemployment under four percent or whatever it is, uh, getting employees is the number one struggle employers have today in this current climate. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever that recession begins, um, unemployment will be at seven or eight percent or whatever it will be. And there will be good candidates out there that that you can. Uh, so there, so there is a silver lining to that. That you know, yeah, okay, things are tough, but you can find some talent that that you don't necessarily have the the right means to find right now. Well, and on that point, you said when the recession begins, a leading indicator. Now, so we're in, we're in low unemployment. I don't know right. what it is, three percent or whatever. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Yeah, considering two percent will never be employed anyway. Right, right, right. When the unemployment starts, not when it hits 5 or 6%, but when you start seeing us move up and out of this, mm-hmm. it's harder for people to find jobs, then start pushing and looking for better people. Right. And ride that trend up. Don't wait for it to get up to 5%. Right. And then start looking. Yeah, no, exactly. So uh, speaking of employees, one of the things that you're really uh, proud of with your company, uh, and you should be after you know 40 years of, of growth and things like that, is retention. And I mean retention all, in all senses of the word, employees, customers, all kinds right. of stuff. Um, and you, you mentioned when I talked to you before that, you know, the retention of good customers was, was done by creating an enjoyable, uh, company culture. Uh, you enjoyed a 15% retention rate versus the industry standard of 30 to 40%. Um, or I'm sorry, turnover, uh, turnover, yeah, 15 return, uh, turnover rate versus the industry standard of 30 to 40%. Um, what are some specific things, uh, managers and business owners should do to create that kind of culture that you're talking about? One, it's got to be first and foremost the important thing you do. And the people, you can have this discussion and go either way, which came first, the chicken or the egg. But we always looked at it. Our customers will, and you and I have had this conversation, the customers will never be any happier than the employees serving them. Right. Your customer satisfaction is pretty much a direct indicator of how satisfied your employees are. But cult, culture, and I break culture down into three um, zones, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If you're a very small company, you know, if you're under 10 people, it's a family. Right. Same thing. From a family, we move out to a community. You know, if we go 10 to 30 people, you get past 30 people, you have to create a culture because now, like, where your company is, you're not just the only person preaching the culture, the mission, the vision. Right. You've got managers doing that, supervisors doing that, so sure. everybody has to share. So as you move out, that's when it becomes a culture. So you work through those. And I think the most important thing, any and again, I'm back to a service business. This could go for right. anybody, retail. Sure. But the people will do as well, one, as you train them, and two, as you respect and motivate them. And even correction is motivation. If all that is done correctly, people tend to stay with you longer. You don't necessarily have to be liked, but you have to be fair. I think right. that's something I learned yeah. over the years. Yeah, and we'll get back to that because that's, that's sure. something I, I really agree with as well. Um, so, you know, you're talking about creating this culture and, and making sure your managers and supervisors are, pr- are preaching the same things that are important to you and things mm-hmm. like that. 
how often, I mean, instilling that and then training that into your right. managers and supervisors, how often should that be happening? Well, if you're a small company, you've only got three or four employees. It should be happening every day when you meet right. I'm and so, do I'm, the service. I'm sorry. It, it, when, you're, when you're in that community or culture phase, culture 30 phase. plus employees, and you know, uh, how often should be happening? Because I mean, when you're a family right. thing, it's easy. you're doing that every day, every whether day. you know it or not. Uh, and even if you're that 10 to 30 employee kind of range, you, it's happening fairly regularly. Right. You wouldn't have to necessarily schedule it. But once you hit that, that 40 employee plus mark, you do have to be conscious about making it happen now. It's, it's, it's a conscious effort, yeah. definitely. I would the way we were structured when we had uh, three hundred full time employees. It was basically top down, but I met with our four key executives. Then the one key executive worked with all the managers. So the executive was monthly. The key managers was every week, mm -hmm. and then they took it out into the field. So it daily. was it was constant daily, yeah. but. The further up the chain you got, the more you understood the vision. And the vision's a little different as, you know, if you're sitting at the top, you're doing different things. You've got different problems than right. your service employees out in the field. Right. So the supervisors, but they're all preaching that vision and mission. Right. And so, so when it goes from 10 employees and the owner is doing it daily, right. it still needs to be daily for the, for the employee yes. who's on the front yeah. line. It just is coming from a supervisor instead of the exactly, you know, and then the supervisor gets it maybe every few days from the manager, yeah. and the manager gets it every every week from the executive or man or you know director or whatever the structure is, and the director is getting it you know once a month or so from the the, the higher level executives or whatever. And a key point, and, I, and I, w I have a lot of clients, so we talk a lot about these sorts of things, and I, I'm going to use the P word, not the F word. Yeah, people hate to plan. I'm sorry, it's just tough and. The bigger you get, the tougher it gets to plan because it's an exercise and you're always putting out fires, you're always talking to managers, and things are coming uphill fast at you often. Right. right. So you have to have a plan and it's got to be set, not necessarily in stone, you got to be flexible, but you got to know when you're going to do it, what you're going to say, and it's got to be quickly done relative to your culture and how are we doing. You and I have done this. You run employee satisfaction surveys. Right. You run customer surveys. you got to get out and get some metrics on these things. Right. As well as just say, well, nobody called today. It must be a must great day. must be a great day. That, day that's yeah. a kiss of death. Right, right, About right. two days later, you get the call yeah. that we're canceling. Pardon me? Yeah. So, and just to circle back real quick and yeah. be super crispy on what I was trying to say earlier is um, understanding that the, the value your employees get from when it's just 10 people and the owner is doing this stuff every day. Mm -hmm that still needs to be there for the employees. They still need that daily from somebody. And it's not yep. going to be the owner in, in that case or or even a, a director or whatever, again, depending on what the structure is. But the at the end of the day, the employees still need the same thing. But that's where the planning comes in. Right. When you know you're going to hand off, when you know you're going to bring another level yeah. in, you have to have brought them up and trained right. them. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the right. vision. Right. Now you and go here, out and, and do here it. are the words yes. to use, and here's the words to not use, and all that kind of here's stuff. Here's what we want communicated. Right. And I know you've got a vision board and a statement yeah, yeah. board up there. Sure. You guys look over. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so real quick for folks who don't know, what's a quick and dirty way to tell folks how to calculate your uh, retention rate and your turnover rate and all that kind of stuff? The, the quickest, and it's not necessarily the best, is uh, on a quarterly rate, how many people left and how many people stayed. Look at your um, right. w, W4s, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. What we did, we had, a quick, we had a period where there was an introductory period. We didn't start that count until 90 days after you passed your introductory period and became what we called a regular employee. Right. Not a contract employee, right? Be clear right. there, a yeah, regular yeah. employee. 
And that's when you start the count. And that cleans it up because everybody has an introductory period. Are they going to make it? Aren't they going right. to make it? Because you've always got that churn. Sure. You know, what is it? The old saying, you go through four to get one. Yeah. Well, that's, that's my <laughs> saying. I don't know if it's the old saying, but that's my well, saying. Oh, no, we had it too. Four, yeah. five, ten, whatever yeah, yeah, your yeah. industry is. It takes so many to get one keeper. Yeah. So that's probably the cleanest way to do that is go through, have that period, and don't start that count. Right. And then you start measuring So once they retention. become, they get past whatever the introductory period introductory. Yeah, for whatever your industry is, right. you know, you, it could be two weeks, it could be six months, I, who knows. Uh, but once you get past that, start the clock there, and yep. then every quarter you're just looking at who dropped off. Mm-hmm. So, and we don't add anything in for people who come on board to replace them. We're just looking at percentage of people who are leaving. Right. Gotcha. Okay. After that, the the clock starts, you're, the important point, the clock starts at the 91st day, and that's when they're considered regular employees that are part of the count. Right. That's the cleanest count. And for finding uh, people who are listening, find, they're, them finding their own industry averages, is it simple, as simple as just Googling it? Google it. it. Yeah, those, those are pretty easy. It yeah. might, might take gotcha. a little bit of work to get to it, but there's got to be an association or somebody yeah. out there that's got a benchmark for you to start with right and this is one of the this is one of the reasons why joining industry associates is so beneficial is you get these kind of metrics and you understand what what is going on out there outside of my little bubble Mm -hmm. what is everybody else experiencing and so you can rate yourself and you can you know you can see am i doing well am i doing average am i doing below average and without that information you you couldn't possibly know and i'm not kidding every industry's got an association oh yeah 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 (laughs) i i heard i i was last year i was uh at a um uh, the deal with the I was meeting a legislator here in Washington State, uh, and it was a key legislator. Uh, it was like the Senate Majority Leader or something like that. And uh, having lunch with him, and there was an association there for Department of Licensing outlets, <laughs> and an association for outlets for the DOL. Well, I mean, I mean the, the, uh, outlets is not the right word. It's the, they used to be run by the state. Yeah, now it's privatized. Yep. There was an association of those private businesses now and i just it, again and they needed one they, the, the points they were bringing up were very valid and they had every reason to have one just i would it would never occur to me in a million years that they would have had yeah. one well i've helped some people in the restaurant business and i business is business i mean there's nothing special there's certain things that are you it's standard to everybody right but i had to have practices for margins so i just google it and in 20 minutes and i was helping a friend out and i i had the margins and said well right. here you are and i go well, that's what what I'm doing. I said, well, let's take a look. Yeah, 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 <laughs> perfect. So uh, along the way of you know having 300 full-time employees and promoting a lot of those folks to manager, uh, you mentioned that you helped an uncountable number of folks earn a good living yep. and develop skills and all that kind of stuff. And isn't that one of the unsung pleasures of, of owning your own business is getting to develop people and invest the time in them and see that see it really blossom? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's so easy for us because we're we're all glasses half full or ha- glasses half empty kind of folks by nature. It seems like get but, a smaller glass. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems <laughs> like uh, 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 we we just by nature tend to focus on what's not working because as a business owner or manager, things we can throw at you all the time. But yeah. one of the things that we can really take a moment and look back on after a few years is seeing people that you've invested in and mentored and coached mm-hmm. and watching them really blossom. That for me, at least, that's one of the one of the real joys. Um, I get out of this whole. It, it's one of the greatest joys. You said it, and it, it's not looked at often. But as you look back over careers, and you know, you're, you've got a career going now too. You look at that, particularly after I sold the company and saw what everybody has gone on and done. Right. But even at the service levels, um, some of the people I've been out of that company now seven years, they're still working there. Yeah. And you've helped people put kids through college. Right. Make a living. That really is what, if you take the big picture, if you take the real mission, if you are a business owner, 
that is your obligation, not to fill yeah. your bank account, but to right. help other people be successful. That's yeah, and, and, and I'm not whatever for, error. for me personally. I'm not talking about financial success. Now, I happen to be in an industry where people make good money, mm-hmm. and so that's not really a problem. And you know, it's kind of it's a blessing that they work in this industry. But just seeing how they they it changes their lives and how oh. they forget the money part for me at least. Um, watching folks really come into their own and just you know blossom psychologically or spiritually or whatever you want to call whatever it. it is. That, that that for me is pretty awesome. Let me take a one-minute side trip yeah. on that. The email I got, f- and this was actually a business partner in the clean room business, and he just passed away a couple months ago, a few years older than I was. And nobody would really give this guy a shot, and he was one of the most standing guy, outstanding people in the clean room industry. Mm-hmm. He helped make our company. So I, I took a gamble on him, right? and I, I paid him what he asked for, and the particular jobs we did, we ran out of work. And he said he was just on the verge of retiring. Mm-hmm. He said, would you pay our medical? And the guy had done a lot for us. And right. He's not working anymore. I said, we'll, we'll arrange it for you. So we did it for a couple years. And you think nothing of that thing. Just, okay, we're going to help you. He, I won't go through that. He and his wife wrote me a note that actually put me into tears. Yeah. That at that point in our life, you were the only person that believed in us. Brought him in. I'm trying not to use names. Yeah. Not that it matters. And what it meant to them and did for them. Right. To continue, you know, and, and it was like, it, it's what probably, we talk about successes, that's not in there. Sure. It's one of the greatest things. And yeah. I've been told that a lot. Hey, we've been able to do this. And right. I, then I've done my job. So, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I think that that kind of stuff that, you know, when you're able to do that kind of stuff, it, it you know, uh, the, the karmic blessings are, mm-hmm. are plentiful Definitely. there for sure. Uh, you also mentioned uh, the average tenure for a manager was 15 years. Some of their, as you mentioned, also their entire career, and they've all gone on to great, done yep. great things. That that's uh, that's fantastic. And then you talk about customer retention um, being some of the highest in the industry as well. Your average customer you kept for 14 years, and you did not lose a significant client due to poor service in the last 20 years of your operation. What do you attribute all that to? Well, I, <laughs> everything we're talking about, culture, uh, vision. We stayed close to our customers. Right. Um, if it wasn't working out, we left. But I only left, I think, two customers in the whole time. And you, you do get them. You know yeah, that. Yeah, you, yeah. you get a hold of them, and it's, yeah. it's time to yeah. say goodbye. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a foreign notion for folks first starting in business that you would fire a customer. But uh, it, it becomes painfully obvious when it's time to do oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but everything we're talking about, and I get back to the people. The people, the culture, we were so clear they understood how tough it was to get some. We had some very large clients, Microsoft, Intel, General Electric, and I'm mm-hmm. talking about plants back east. Right. These things don't come. They have long sales cycles. Right. And to lose them is detrimental to the company, and, and we all understood that, and we all worked for that singular uh, purpose right. of keeping them satisfied and signing the contract. We're a year-to-year business, basically. I yeah. mean, you can write all the contracts you want, but there's escape clauses and non-performance sure. clauses. And the whole goal was to do that. And uh, we've still got customers. I do consulting for the company I sold, by the way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that particular... That's, that's a pretty good gig. <laughs> yeah, that particular vision's now 50... <laughs> not my company, but the whole division yeah, and right, the, right. Uh, the president of that, or the CEO, chief operating officer. It's a $50 million division in seven right. states we were part of. Nice. So I've got to keep my fingers in that. But we've still got uh, customers there that right. have been there now 18 years. Right. And yeah. we did lose one that had been there 20. They sold out, closed the plant, and moved to Texas. Gotcha. So. Well, you can't, you can't do much about <laughs> that. You can't do a whole lot. So real quick, uh, you know, working for those kind of companies, Microsoft, Boeing, Intel, things like that, 
what what did you learn working for big companies like that that, that you could apply to your own small business? Metrics, metrics, and more measures. Gotcha. Um, sense of urgency in resolving complaints. These people didn't give you any time. Right. If they called in, they wanted to call back in 30 or 40 minutes. I mean, point of service was critical. Now, yeah. the managers did that. Yeah. But if they wanted to find me, they, they had my personal phone number, my home right. number, somebody's yeah. got it. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody on the team knew if I ever got a call at home, it was going to all flow downhill. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, uh, again, just human nature, um, how differently we look at the equation when we're the consumer versus the business mm -hmm. manager. Yes. And our expectations for response time are drastically different when we're the person who has to make the phone call back versus <laughs> the person who's anticipating the phone call. Yep. Isn't it bizarre how that how that works? It is. And and I tell you, I, you know, one of the things I've I've talked to people at night, they probably get tired of me talking about it, uh, is just basic customer service stuff of of getting back to somebody right away. I always tell our folks. When somebody's pissed off, it doesn't get better with time. <laughs> no, it, no, it doesn't. The it sooner, goes from bad to the worse. The sooner you get out in front of that, the, the better person yes. you're going to be interacting with because their mindset is changing for the worse by the minute in some cases, mm -hmm. by the hour for sure. And you're going to get an entirely different person eight hours after, afterwards than you are eight minutes oh, afterwards. Yeah. Well, you're talking complaint cycle management, and that's something I really learned from, yeah. from working with Fortune 10. And, and even not even not even complaints so much, just somebody who has questions. Anything. Okay. Anything. We, we broke them down into three areas, complaints, information, and requests. We called it SIRS. Right. And that's how everything got distributed through the communication channels. Yeah. I just uh, – it's, it's baffling to me how the same person can have an expectation of response time as a consumer that's, you know, five minutes. But when they're the one being asked for something, they'll go, oh, I'll get back to them in a couple hours or a couple days or one – you know, 24 hours <laughs> is my rule. And it's like, what – are you mad? I mean, yeah. this is what, – what are you doing here, you know? <laughs> Sanity. There is no sanity when yeah, you're on that. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I, I could I could go on and on about well, that. Well, it's the same thing with sales calls. You get the call right. We need this proposal, this information now. I mean, we are ready to make a decision. You right. know what's coming. We're moving now. So you move heaven and earth. You get this thing in their hands, and it's five weeks before you hear back from them. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love uh, uh, a lot of our customers, you know, again, we do plumbing, but a lot of our customers do have annual budgets. And they will call us, you know, uh, days before the annual budget is due in October or August or whenever, you know, September or whatever. And, uh, you know, we need it right now, right now, right now. And then we literally won't do the job for 14 months. <laughs> they, but they, but they want to get it recorded in the spend <laughs> yeah, they get, cycle. Yeah, they yeah. got to get the CapEx budget. Yep. Um, anyhow, that's just, you know, that's part of the sales game is waiting out those kinds of things. Um, and probably one of your biggest, big, if not the biggest, uh, this has to be the biggest success. I mean, 42 years married to the same woman consecutively. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's remarkable. It's remarkable, yes. She's a patient <laughs> woman. She, she clearly is. <laughs> now, some of that can be attributed. I was gone from home 30% of the time. Ah, okay. So when you, so, when, you, when, you, when you factor that in, it's really only 26 and a half years. Yeah, when you wait like it out. Yeah, yeah okay. factor right, that well, in. Well, that's, that's still over 25 years. That's still fairly remarkable. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Um, so uh, we talked about the going through recessions and stuff like that. Um, some of the, when I asked you for your kind of, you know, things that you've looked back on and wish had gone differently, mm -hmm. uh, many, many of those things have that, a, financial that isn't what you called that moment. But that's we'll not, <laughs> that's not, uh, uh, what I, what, I think I call it the, oh shit moments, right? Is that what I call it? The, the oh shit moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did I do? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe we survived that. Uh, uh, you know, and that's, that's what we're, you know, anyhow, um, many of your, your things have a couple generic themes. Mm -hmm. One is a financial theme. 
So you mentioned that you've uh, twice faced bankruptcy due to poor financial and, and management choices. Um, and first of all, I just want to say thank you, uh, Mark, for being brave enough to share that. Uh, these are the kinds of failures that people really do in real life face. Yep. Um, you're not an anomaly by having gone through that, but it is something that people are very reluctant to talk about. And so I, first of all, I sincerely thank you for, for even mentioning that because the whole goal of this podcast is for folks listening to go through, here's what my experience has been. Here's what mm-hmm. other folks are doing well. Here's what the folks aren't, haven't done well. How can I relate? And there's no shortage of people who are listening to this who can relate to having gone through something like because you just make blunt, you just make bonehead decisions and they lead to yeah. consequences. Um, and yeah, so so yeah, yeah, you had to file bankruptcy twice. At one point, you we had, did we didn't quite file. We were there. You were there. Okay, we, gotcha. I mean, I remember in '99, yeah, sitting on the beach in Hawaii, everybody's having fun, and I'm sitting in Maui. Wondering if I'm coming back to company or not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a scary thought, isn't it? Um. So what, what? Okay. So if you didn't have to actually go through the process, I mean, you went through the process, you got to the brink, well, and then you were able to pull out of it. Well, well, one was we had to require a quarter million dollar SBA loan to survive. Okay. We were about five hundred thousand short. Gotcha. So without going into detail, that's sure. when I was sitting. And it gets down to not watching the numbers. And by the way, for those listening who may not understand the situation, you didn't go to Maui when you found out this was happening. You probably planned the Maui trip a year in advance. Yeah. Six months oh, yeah. In advance. Yeah, I wasn't spending money I didn't have. It yeah, was yeah, just, yeah. So I don't, yeah, those things are all a year in advance. I don't want to hear anybody think, you know, listen to this and go, well, what the hell is he doing planning a trip to Maui if he's on the verge of bankruptcy? That, that's yeah. probably not how the timing of that I was just out. telling him how lousy the vacation was when I got the notification <laughs> about two weeks before we left. We need a loan. Yeah. And the bank's not giving it to you. Where right. are we going? So so you're on the brink of this disastrous situation. Right. How did you possibly get out of that? We got the SBA loan. So the SBA stepped in when the bank said no. And the SBA loans are all predicated on you're going to hire X amount of employees. Yeah, and, like and that. there was actually my uh, old business partner did a fair portion of that. He was on the accounting side of the business. Mm-hmm. So we were able to neg- – but it was a survival loan. Right. It was basically, we get this or we're gone. Right. And uh, we got the loan and it infused the cash and we straightened out our processes. But it gets back to, I, and people say, well, finances. It gets back to not watching the numbers. Right. And we were, that's part of when we were growing fast. We were expanding into other states. We were doing stuff and we just were not watching the cash flow. Right. And it got ahead of us. I had, wasn't managing my receivables well. The yeah. Money coming in. Right. And they're couple were past 90 days and it was a perfect storm yeah so and, and you mentioned that uh, uh, cash flow is paramount and the old saying is cash is king. king right and i think that that i think people who who hear that for the first and second and maybe even 14th time misunderstand what that means i think most folks hear that and think ah the goal is to have a lot of cash in your pocket because you've been very profitable and now you get to go right. out and spend all your cash that you have that's why cash is king and that's not correct cash is king because you need that constant inflow of cash to just keep the doors open. To meet your AP, your accounts and, payable. And yep. that is why cash is king. So cash flow is king Yes, is maybe a better, That's ac- better more, more accurate uh, statement than cash is king because I think it misleads, at least for me anyway. Well, cash, yeah. When I used to hear cash is king, I used to think, well, duh. Of course, <laughs> if you have a lot of cash, then you can be the king. That, that makes perfect sense. But that's not really what folks are saying when they when they say that. And so I think that, mm-hmm. that um, if folks heard cash flow is king, perhaps – uh, they would understand to look at that monthly because and that's the intent of that saying actually right, that's right. the real definition yeah 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 no I I, I agree with yeah. that and I now I understand that 15 years ago I didn't 
Obviously, I didn't get it either, okay? <laughs> so, uh, so you know, when things are going along, it doesn't take very many weeks or months for, for that cash flow to, to taper off and put you in a massive uh, it took about twelve. It took about 12 months to crunch us. Yeah. And we were doing about 4 or $5 million then. Right. Yeah. And how many months did it take you to get out of that? Or should I say years? <laughs> well, it wasn't years. It was about 18 months. And at the end of all of it, I it's a long story, I wound up splitting with the guy that was the accountant that was a partner. We, yeah. we split the sheets, ended it there. I wound up selling uh, two or three of the divisions, paying off the bank. Right. And then that leads into my other problem. Yeah, which I, was? I was $1.2 million in debt when yeah. I solved so, it. Personally. Yeah, between the company and myself, that's what I, my wife right. and I signed the day we took the company over. Yeah, so you you part ways with your partner. Yep. And uh, you buy them out essentially. Yes. And uh, your reward for doing that is one point two million dollars. I debt. assumed all the I assumed all the liability. Yes. Congratulations. Yes, he, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, he and he walked away with six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you, yeah. He gets six hundred k, and you get one point two million in debt. Woo! Uh-huh. Yeah. A, but you bought the company. I bought the company. <laughs> And I remember walking out and I said, do you want to know how much we're in debt to my wife? And yeah. And we were, we were two hours signing papers. We had done a lot of things, corporations and foreign corporations up in Canada, you know, international stuff. I go, do you want to know? No. No. So it was about six years later we had that paid off. And I said, do you want to know now? And she goes, Yeah. And I go, well, we were $7 million or $700,000 personally in debt. And the company was $500,000 in the rears over 90 days and three loans due. Yeah. And she goes, well, that's nice. <laughs> but you made it. You made it. We made it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that uh, – um, You uh, don't want to have to dig yourself out of those kind of holes. Though. No. And, and again, it can happen in the blink of an eye. If you mm-hmm. – if you, um, if you just don't watch that cash flow, that can uh, it can happen really, really quickly. Um, so you had a partner who was on the accounting side. So mm-hmm. in your mind, I'm guessing that it was their responsibility to be watching this stuff. You yep. had kind of relinquished that to them. Looking back, you would say, despite the fact I relinquished that to them, I should have been kind of at least in the loop oh, on that stuff. Oh, I, I owned a fair portion of that problem. I turned. I was busy growing the company and running around doing the deals, talking to the customers. And right. He was a 20-year family friend. Yeah. So what's not to trust, right? Right. And did not do anything. I want to make things clear. It wasn't duplicious or mean. It mm-hmm. was just plain-ass stupidity. We both took our eyes off the ball. Right. And I took my eyes off of holding him accountable. Yeah. And the next thing I know, he's doing all the, uh, and uh, for lack of a better word, the accounting trickery and manipulation, you know, you can do with numbers to keep yeah. things afloat. And sure. At that point, I really didn't know what I was doing with numbers. Right. Now, believe me, after that little thing, I got educated in a hurry. Sure. Yeah, you have to cuz to get out of that stuff you have to get back to nuts and bolts and KPIs and all that good and stuff. And now I'm as now I'm better at that and I have been pretty much at anything, but Right. It's yeah, it's tough. You don't want to be there. And you mentioned something. We talked about what I learned with the Fortune 500 companies 100 mm-hmm. metrics. And one of your metrics is your money. Right. It's the KPI, it's the key performance indicator and yeah. a key result area of finance. Right. And do not, I don't care if you're doing 5,000 bucks a month. Make sure you know where that money is, where it's going, and what you got to pay next month. Right. So you mentioned KPIs now, uh, key performance indicators. Mm-hmm. 
it, it seems like nobody ever wants to talk about those until it's too late. It's like, I don't have time for KPIs. <laughs> and then you find yourself $1.2 million in a hole. And now it's, okay, I know I need KPIs to get out of right. this. So we all kind of inherently know that those are the, the, the backbone of our operation. We just don't want to do it because it's work. <laughs> and it takes time away from what we think we should be doing, which is doing sales. It and, takes time with customers, employees, yeah, I mean, sales, all, growing the company. No, there's never been a KPI thrown in somebody's face as, I gotta, you got to have this right now. It's Everything else is being thrown at you right now. Mm-hmm. And so KPIs seem to be the thing that gets pushed off to the side. But we all, when it comes down to push, when push comes to shove, we know this is what we need to dig out of the thing. Well, the tyranny of the urgent, as Stephen Covey used to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned not having clear, measurable strategy, tactics, and action items at all times was a cost of mistake. So to be real clear about this, strategy is kind of global. Then we break down mm-hmm. into tactics, and then we break down into actions after that, right? And those have measures. That's where you get into the key right. performance. Yeah. Excuse me, key performance indicators. Right. And so the the idea is we're going to measure where we're at now. We're going to implement x mm-hmm. and then we're going to measure it again after 90 days or 30 days or six weeks or you know four days or a year whatever and we're going to see if that decision was a good one or not and we'll adjust as necessary right that is the that whole cycle there is the piece that people seem to flee from well and, and it's a and it's a simple cycle because basically it starts out there's only four questions anybody needs to understand about their business to make it successful right where am i and how do i get here that's your current analysis yep. okay where do I want to go? Well, that's the strategy. Those are the objectives. Mm-hmm. How do I get there? Well, now we're into tactics, right? Right. And when do I know I'm there? Now we're into key performance indicators or measures and key result areas. Right. Now we'll go in. There's, in my mind, there's about nine key result areas where you need to have indicators because you can't have too many. You have too many, you just flat won't look at them. Right. And we got analysis paralysis, and that's how we round into some of that. We had so many darn indicators, we didn't know one from the other. So. Sure. But you need to have useful measures in place for every key area of the company. Sales, um, you mentioned retention. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, as simple as call taking. How many of uh, the number of times you get a phone call yep. that says, I want your service, how many times those do you actually book an appointment? Of those booked appointments, how many times do you actually get out on site? When you get out on site, how many of those the opportunities do you actually turn into sales? Yep. Of those sales, yeah. how many do you turn into work being done? And of that work you be, you do, how much it turns into warranty work, and how much you know, um, it's a pretty basic idea from start to f- from the first phone call to the last interaction with that customer. If your if your business is one where you have a last interaction, yours yours and mine, it's we recurring, have, it's, it's, it's ongoing, business, so it's, it's ongoing. a little different. But for whatever reason, we we it's just a, a not something we gravitate to. And again, I think you mentioned the urgency, the tyranny of urgency. Uh, you know, everything <laughs> being thrown at you just. Uh, um, Anyhow, uh, it's it's easy to, for that stuff to happen. So my point is KPIs, 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 KPIs. <laughs> because you know, again, I come from a process improvement background, so that feels that like home to me. And they're not hard. You, you said no. it. You, you make it simple. It's how many people am I ca- sales? How many people am I calling on? Right. How many am I bidding? Those sort of things. Right. Sadie, the uh, the deal there popped up. Um, uh, the clock. I'm sorry. Um, anyhow, so yeah, I mean, you take your key things, and, and then I always say. Publish that information. Don't mm-hmm. don't measure this stuff and then keep it a secret. Publish it. Let the employees see it. The employees are the ones who are going to impact the change. Right. Um, they're the ones who are going to to say you know, or or, or actually see the result and change their behavior on it. Not it's yep. not going to be you saying you're <laughs> going to try this now. I mean, it's the employees who are going to see it. Let them see when they succeed. Let them see when they fail, so they can they can improve as well. Our managers had all the financial information we shared with them that directly impacted what they were responsible to get performance out. Right. 
They didn't have everything, but they had everything that they were accountable for. Right. And that's part of what they, they had control. They liked that, and they kept they stayed with us, kept on. So I got two more quick. I know we're getting a little long on time here. There's two, two well, like three more things I want to I get into. Um, one or two things are, are relationship-driven, um, um, not understanding the value of creating and building close customer relationships. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, we have some stuff in, you know, uh, regarding employees as well. So talk to me about the not understanding that creating and building close customer relationships. The easiest way to put it, customers are people, and people like to have relationships, and I don't care how difficult they are. And as a service provider, and again, we're talking service companies. Right. Your job is to get to know their needs intimately, their likes, their dislikes. And when you start asking them, we had regular quarterly reviews. Those are all different things we didn't get into. We talked that we learned. But just meeting them, we had regular meetings all the way through with our customers. Right. reason they didn't leave, they knew things would get done. Right. They saw their manager every day. They saw the vice president once a month. They saw me every quarter. Right. There was plenty of opportunity to communicate any likes, dislikes, or new service needs. Sure. And we made that. And by building that relationship, and in the service business, there some of you, maybe you never screw up, but right. in the service business, when you got people out there basically semi-supervised, yeah. you're going to have problems. Because you had a relationship, and I'm not talking about an I like you sort of thing, but they have confidence. They trust you. Mm-hmm. They know it's going to be hard to replace you because you serve them. Right. And they know that if they give you something that's broken, they're going to fix it. You get um, what it, Stephen Covey called, and I, I reflect back to him, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective yep. People. I am just a fan of that book. Sure. You put money in the emotional bank account that, okay, you screwed up but it's going to cost me a lot more to replace you. And I know you're going to fix it and it's not going to come back. So right. it's working that, and there's a whole psychology and how you answer your email, your complaint cycle resolution, when they show up again, all this builds relationship. And it's just going out to lunch and talking like people Yeah. or coming in their office when something isn't broken. So right. real quickly, I know we're pressed, but yeah, those, yeah. those are some key things. No. And, and listen, you, you've got a, a fountain of knowledge that we want to draw from it. Hopefully, you'll consider coming back on oh, again. Oh, sure. Anytime. We're, we're definitely not going to get to all your stuff here for sure. Um, but the, the um, last thing I want to end with is one my favorite of the things that you said that uh, you, you goofed up on in your career, not listening to advisors, coaches, and people smarter and more experienced than yourself. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to come to that realization that uh, you could gain some knowledge from folks who were smarter than you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're going to make me admit this on a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I would say 10 years, yeah. and I had some great advisors, and I finally wised up, and um, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I'm not as smart as I think I am. Right. You know, I hit the first million or two, and I thought I was, and I was, I was, I was fairly in young. Revenue, by the revenue, way. You, you revenue, You don't yeah. mean million or two in your pocket. When right? I'm talking, yeah, when, I, when I'm spouting numbers, they're revenue yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. They're not, I wish that was in my yeah. bank if, account. If you had two million 10 years in, you wouldn't be sitting here talking to me right now, that's for sure. Well, no, you'd be interviewing me <laughs> via Zoom from Curacao in, in or somewhere. Maui, yeah, 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 you'd be back yeah. in Maui. <laughs> So um, on the revenue, and it just, you know, ah, these guys, they don't understand. This is my big thing in my head. They don't understand. They're not on the front lines. They don't really, yeah, well, I had a fellow come along and uh, was my uh, mentor for like 30 years, IBM executive. Yeah. And I didn't listen to him for a while. And then I started to get clients like Boeing and Microsoft, and he'd tell me what to do. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do it. Right. "Ah, I'd do part of it. Yeah. And then I get in the meeting, and I get my ever-loving buck kicked up around my ears, okay, by yeah. these guys, Microsoft and Boeing. And I go, 
that's funny. We talked about that two weeks ago. He told me exactly what to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it took a while. And I have always, since the day I opened the business, I have had advisors, consultants, coaches, paid and unpaid every day. It took me a while to learn to listen to them, but I, it's some of the best money I spent. Right. And some of it I didn't have to spend, some of it I did, but even to the day we sold the company, I brought in a guy who had a $200 million company. Right. I said, this is going on the market. What do we have to do? Right. And I got my butt kicked up around my ears once with him. He said, yeah. don't you ever write me something that isn't true. Right, <laughs> right, right. And, and we, so you have to have that. You're not your own fountain of knowledge. Right. Got to get it somewhere. Yeah. You, you, we always, everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a coach. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs somebody to show them the way. And um, when you, you may be the owner of your company and you may be at the pinnacle of that association or an organization, but that doesn't mean you're the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> yeah. No. If you're, you're the smartest yeah. guy in the room, you know what the rule is. Find another room. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Well, hey, Mark. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, uh, I can attest to if you if you're if you're in a business and you're looking for somebody to help guide you through some basic stuff and and even more complex stuff, uh, I would definitely uh, recommend Mark. He he certainly did a lot to help me and in, in our company. Um, thank you tons for coming on. Well, I thanks really for asking it. me. It's and fun. I, and, I love doing this. And stuff. I hope I hope you'll consider coming back on oh, again. We didn't get to get to, to half of what you you had to bring today. Um, and if you're, uh, anyhow, it, I'll, I'll go back to the uh, uh, us being on iTunes and Google and all that kind of stuff. Again, don't forget to click on that subscribe button, the rate and share, and you'll hear me talk about that a whole bunch over the next uh, few weeks. Um, next week, we're going to have Samantha Neal on to discuss her commercial cleaning business. Ironically, very similar to what Mark did for 40 years. That's what we started I, out doing. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't coordinate that uh, to have those back to back, but it just turned out that way. Um, thanks again for all you guys listening and appreciate all your support. And that's it for today. Thanks a lot and talk to you next week. Oh, thank you.